couple of things before we get started. Um, we are not going to have Elevate tonight. We're not going to gather together. Uh, hang out with your families. Come on, remember. Uh, uh, we do want to make sure we remember those who gave everything. Come on, there's, uh, there's people that laid down their lives so we could gather here today. Come on. And so remember, take a second. If you've got little kids, tell them why. Hey, this is why you're not going to school tomorrow. This is why mom and dad maybe, not, maybe aren't going to work tomorrow. Um, because we are remembering and we're honoring people that gave their lives in service of our country. Make sure you instill that. Make sure you teach that. Um, so we're not going to gather tonight. Hang out with your family. Love on them. Pray with them. Um, Wednesday night, uh, we're not going to have small groups. Uh, we're going to have our uh, Hello Summer barbecue. So I'm excited about that. Come on, we're going to have some fun stuff for the kids. Maybe some fun stuff for the adults. We'll see. Uh, we're going to start at 6.30, and uh, I'm excited about that. And then uh, starting next week, uh, next Wednesday night, we're going to start our uh, Grow You Summer Session. Come on. Uh, we're going to have what we call breakout sessions, and I'm really excited about that. And uh, we're going to have a, a class on finance, class on marriage and family, and uh, one that's a, a deep dive Bible study so I'm excited about that it's going to be so much fun come on I'm pumped for it and so anyway hey uh, remember um, our uh, remember the families um, in in Texas in your prayers come on uh, horrible thing there's a lot of evil in the world listen and people people want to talk politics when something like that happens but forget politics let's talk heart Come on. And listen, church, it's our job to not see evil like that and be so afraid that we just shut up and shut down. It's our job to see evil like that and say, we know the one who can fix that evil. We know the one that can fix hearts. Come on. And so we should preach even more, even louder. Come on. Last week we talked about cancel culture and we talked about shutting up because you might offend somebody. No. When the church is quiet, evil flourishes. Come on. And so we've got to speak when we see things like that and say, hey, this is why we have to pursue Jesus with everything we've got. And this is why we can't forget to reach people. If, if they're struggling with things, we can't say, hey, your situation is too great. No. What do we say here? Souls, not situations. Come on. And so, listen, we're going to keep praying. We're going to keep praying because... A lot of times, as a pastor, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do in a situation. And someone will come to me and they'll say, hey, do you have some wisdom for me? And I don't. Listen, I'm, I'm probably the least wisest person in this room, okay? And so I, I don't, a lot of times I don't know what to do, family, and I don't know what to say. But I do know this, that I can pray with you. Come on. And you might not know what to say about a situation. You might not know what to do about a situation, but you can always pray. Come on. That powerful, wonderful, beautiful name, Jesus. Come on. It's a, both a battle cry and a cry of submission. Come on. We can cry Jesus and say, hey, I'm, I'm running into this thing. Or we can say, Jesus, I can't handle this. Come on. And so you just remember that. All right. Hey, I'm excited, man. We've got a friend. We've got a, 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 a native son getting ready to come up and share the word, share a testimony. And so, Ben, man, would you come up? Y'all will make him feel welcome. Some of you said, man, I know that guy. <laughs> Man, come on, I'm ready, dude. I appreciate you. Appreciate the opportunity to get there, brother. Oh, boy. 
This was a lot easier when I had all my brothers behind me, I'm just saying. As y'all know, I'm Ben Valentine. I was just here a few months back with Teen Challenge. We did a ministry. Uh, Pastor JB invited me to come back and give my whole testimony and give me time to talk to y'all. And what am I doing wrong here? I got to hold up close. Ah, I'm not used to the microphone, as y'all can tell. Uh, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to get here. You know, this is something that God's called me to do my whole life, and I've been running from it my whole life. So this is my first step of doing something on my own. I've been doing it with Teen Challenge for the past little while, and then now I'm in Lafayette, and I'm actually interning down there. And so I'll be doing taking over their drug awareness campaign down there, so I'll actually be doing this a lot more, except actually out on the street doing it. So uh, before I get started on what I have tonight, there's something happened while I was in Teen Challenge that was very important to me. Uh, he was a brother that was with me, and he was just here, and he stood right about right there. But Jared, you want to put that picture up for me? And it trying to uh, it definitely altered my trajectory in Teen Challenge. This is Mark. I worked with him the whole time for about six, almost six and a half months, every day. We was in class together. We worked together. He came here and sang and did the ministry with me together. And he went home on pass and didn't come back. About 15 days later, we got the phone call. He'd OD'd and died. Now, I had many a conversation with Mark. You could have never made me believe that he didn't have it. He didn't know God, didn't trust God as his Lord and Savior. I mean, you know, we, we, that's what we talked about. We spent many hours in that coffee shop roasting beans, grinding coffee, and that's all we talked about. And I didn't know. I sat back when I found out. I was like, well, what did I miss? What did I miss? What, what hint did I know that he was, something wasn't right? And, I mean, you know, in the last conversation we had, he was excited to go home to his family. And I don't know what happened in his life, but it made me sit back and rethink, well, what, what am I missing in my life? What's really going on in my life? And then it wasn't, I had another friend completed the program, and within 20 days, the only reason why he's still alive, the belt broke. It's the only reason why he's still alive. Luckily, he's back in Ruston going back to the program again now. So I know... I'm not, God's got a plan for his life, too. I don't know what happened with Mark, you know, and I pray that in that moment, you know, he had time to get right with God. But as, I don't know, and I'm not going to stay up here and say that it did happen or it didn't because only God knows that. All I know is he had a cracked pipe with his lace with fentanyl and died. So before I go any further, I'm not a trained speaker. This is my first time I ever speak. If I get a little rough or rude or... or uh, there's one word that was given to me, it was called truth. And if anybody knows me, I'm not couth, I'm brash, I'm rude, I'm, I'm a lot of things, but I'm going to speak truth because that's what was told to me to speak today. So, and that came from a lady. We were doing a ministry and she ended up praying for me and told me some things about me that I needed to still work on. So I found something in me that, because when you think you have it, is when you really need to think you know and you don't. So I'm going to start off today with reading a scripture. It comes out of, uh, John 8. Get my notes out here. John 8 and 32. It says, You shall know the truth, and it shall make you free. So we all know that the truth will set you free, because we all know that Jesus Christ is truth. And that's the only thing that we know that will set you free. And without knowing him as being the truth, 
we're not really doing anything that's for him and for his kingdom. And so that was the word that was given to me. She said it was truth. And so I know truth is Jesus, but I also know that I have to speak truth. I can't deny my past because it's <laughs> very colorful, very colorful past. But I know, And this is part of the reason why me standing up here today is, is uh, there's another scripture that just really came to me today. And it's the Revelation 12, 11. As I was reading this morning, it came to me. And it really moved me in my spirit because I came here to give my testimony, but I feel like I had to put the truth in it. So I had to put God's word. I had to put God in it. I had to put this in there. So Revelation uh, 12, 11. This is what really hit me this morning. Sitting said, and they, they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. That's truth. And the only reason why we defeat anybody is by that blood. And that's the only reason why we can overcome Satan and his minions is by the power of the blood and by their testimony. So when I read that, I was like, I know Pastor J.B. was talking about, you know, my testimony. And when people see me from where I come from to where I am now, that is a powerful testimony. Because, I mean, I've had several of my friends tell me that I've never heard your whole story. I won't tell nobody my whole story. Because it's just something that I've always held real close. I mean, there's stuff me and my own mom and dad don't know. that They're going to learn today. You know, and so i got to have the strength to... Uh, <laughs> so, but whenever you put truth in Jesus in anything, that's when you really start to grow. I'm not standing up here saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I'm where I need to be because I'm still struggling. You seen me earlier. I was on my knees. Lord, I'm struggling today. You know, there's a lot of things that's going on in my life. And so the more that I struggle, though, the more but I got to stay focused. I got to keep going with that purpose that he has for me. So here we go. <laughs> uh, I ain't been, I was raised, I lived here until about two years old. And then me and my mom and dad, dad got a job in Oakdale and moved to Oakdale. I mean, I have a loving mom and dad. Can't, I, I would not be standing here without them. And a lot of prayers from my mom, my dad, my grandparents. And... They raised me the best they could. Oakdale was not the place to raise a child at all, or at least for me anyway. I was headstrong. I didn't fit in with people, and I ended up running with the wrong crowd. And by the time I was eight years old, I was already drinking, already smoking cigarettes, already hanging out with the wrong people. I mean, it was just, just what I found acceptance at. I was raised in church and more likely I drove to church most of the time. I spent more time on the front porch getting spankings, which I've had received plenty right back out there on that front porch too by multiple people. But they did the best they could with me. I mean, I, I was just that child, you know. And at eight years old, I started drinking hanging out with the wrong crowd. And then one day, a guy asked me, hey, man, you want to buy some weed? said, yeah, sure. So instead of, you know, like most people think right, weed is a gateway drug, it's a social drug, it's socially acceptable nowadays. Back then it really wasn't. But instead of me trying to go run and smoke with somebody else, I ran home and smoked it by myself. That started a very dangerous path in my life of I would isolate myself and get high by myself. And that's, they will tell you in any of counselors, when you start isolating your way from people and getting high, it's a deadly combination. Most people don't make it back from that. I buried too many of my friends in that same situation. So that, I discovered a new love then. So I started smoking weed all the time. I started selling weed in high school. It was, we were sitting in my friend's house one day and we was trying to figure out where we could go find some weed. And I happened to look over in this little fake shrub over here and I'm like, hey man, there's a 20 sack. 
So we discovered, hey, look, we could steal weed from his mom. So we never ran out. And then she sent us to the uncle, and we could get anything we wanted as long as we paid him. And he'd cut us a deal at a very young age. So I learned on from high school, hey, man, I could sell drugs and make money and be just fine. So that's what I did. I kept my grades up. I still graduated high school in the middle of my class. I mean, I didn't ever apply to myself. But I never really, I, I, I wonder what I could have done if I actually applied myself. I went through high school and I brought homework home twice in four years. Well, I'm not dumb by no means. I can still do anything that I want as far as with my mind, so I'm blessed in that aspect. But I never really just truly applied myself to do anything but other than what I wanted to do. And then on December 1st, 1999, I got a phone call. Or actually, my dad come flying in, flying through the driveway and bouncing through the potholes, and I thought, oh, Lord, what do I do now? I've seen this look on his face. I know I'm in trouble, but it wasn't me for once. I mean, it, it caused a lot of problems the day that Stacy Aldridge got killed. He knew about it, but I was home packing my bags to leave and come. come. I'd actually talked to Stacy the night before when we was planning out what we were going to do for the weekend and everything, and that crushed me. And it was a very pivotal point in my life because I was trying to get away from my lifestyle of drugs and alcohol. I mean, I was about to graduate high school. I was, got to the point where I truly kind of wanted to grow up, really. I mean, I was just tired of it. And that spun me out. I mean, we, uh, I got here, didn't know what to do. I mean, I was 17 years old. I've never experienced somebody. I called my brother, my best friend, and he's just gone. I mean, I had no earthly idea how to be prepared for that. So, once again, I just fall back to what I knew. Just, you know, taking some sort of substance to make me feel or not feel anything. And so I was there. I was introduced to Valium and Xanax and was taking a bunch of pills. I knew about them. I just didn't like them. But at this time and point in my life, I, I needed it because, I mean, they would, nobody would leave me alone. Nobody would, I couldn't go anywhere by myself because everybody was scared of what I would do. I was that volatile of a situation. I mean, I remember literally whenever I ran everybody off from his grave. When we buried Stacy at Spring Branch Church, I ran everybody off. I didn't want nobody there. And I, I, I looked, and you could see a vehicle parked. Every which way I could go, there was a car waiting for me to follow me wherever I went. I know there's a loving family that loved me, but they were worried about me. But it, it crushed me that day that whenever I buried him, I buried part of myself. And I did not know, and I was just went to a deep, dark spot. Nobody could pull me out of it. So for the next few months after I graduated high school, I was just a shell of a person. I never really learned how to deal with death. I never had to deal with emotions. So I pretty much just stayed some shape or form of high. It didn't matter if it was weed, alcohol, pills, just whatever. And I graduated high school, and I moved up here. And when I got up here, I was introduced, started running the wrong crowd again because I would already knew them from, you know, partying in high school and coming up here. But then the drugs progressively got harder. And then I found, you know, it started off with ecstasy. And then I found meth. And when I found meth, it really came a pivotal point because it was like, hey, man, try this for work tomorrow so you can get off work early on Saturday. It was just nothing but just something simple that turned into a 20-year-plus battle. I mean, and it wasn't long. Okay, so I started, you know, using it just on just on Friday and Saturday to get off work. And then it was just on the weekends. And then eventually it leads to an everyday drug use. And then I ended up getting laid off my job. 
And so then, well, well, what do I do? Go back to what I knew in high school, start selling drugs again. I mean, it was just, that was a repetitive theme in my life. I mean, that's what, and eventually that's what I grew to knew. I left, I decided I wanted to go to school. So I left here, I went to basic training, and thought, man, hey, look, maybe six, eight months away from here, and I'll be better. I'll be able to kick this addiction, kick the habit, kick everything. So I did good at basic training, and I came home for Christmas Exodus. You know, I had two weeks home at Christmas. And so I was, I was super excited about it. I come home, got to hang out with my family inside one person, and what's the first thing they do? Here, man. Turned into a very bad day. For the next nine days, I never slept. Destroyed my family's Christmas because I was just acting like my old self. I hadn't lost everything that I had changed. And then the worst was when I got back. You know, I hadn't slept in nine days, and you get back to basic training, it wasn't nothing nice. I really, really, I mean, I'm surprised I actually passed the drug screen when I got there, to be honest with you. But I went through that, went to school, and they paid for me to go to Louisiana Tech. So I started going to college over there. I mean, I had a government-paid apartment. They paid for my school. They paid for my books. And what I do? Started getting high again. And that's the, the power that drugs had over my life. I was steadily running from God. Because he called me at an early age, but I, I tried everything in the world to fill that void. And eventually, you know, if you play around with drugs long enough and sell drugs, eventually you get caught. And so I got arrested, went to prison for the first time. I mean, that's not the end of the story, I promise you. But, and I tried my best to get right. Started going, bringing back my Bible. I started trying to make a commitment to God, to commit to my family. And I got out, and I did good for about five years. Got into a bad relationship that ended badly, and then I spun out of control again. And that started a lifestyle of up and downs, up and downs. Well, the bad thing is that last time, whenever I spun out of control, I was introduced to the IV use. And that, that was a very pivotal point in my life because not only did it took complete control of me, it made me completely numb. I had no feelings. I was just a body walking around. I was completely inhumane. I had no feelings. I did not care if I hurt you. I did not care what I said. And if I told people when they met me, I said, if you have feelings, you might as well leave the door because I'm going to offend you. I'm going to hurt your feelings, and I don't care. But the sad part is that extended to my family and my friends, too. I had a very few people that actually stuck by me through that whole time. My mom and dad is one of them. I mean, but that really destroyed any part of me who was good left. So then I went back to prison for about four years, and I really tried to buckle down. I really got deep in my Bible. I was studying my word. You know, people call it jailhouse religion, but I promise you, nowhere can you go, not even in Teen Challenge, can you go and spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week in your word, studying the Bible. It's prison because you have nothing else to do. So that started planting the seeds in my life. I'm not saying they took road and hold because I got out and did the same things over and over again. Five times I've been arrested for drugs. I shouldn't be standing here today. It's by God's grace that I'm actually standing here today able to tell you that I'm a free man. But when they slammed that hole and seal door on me that last time, I called out to God. I said, God, I, I knew I was due. My last plea bargain on the fourth time was nine years or life. And I rolled the dice on that and still didn't take the deal. I mean, that's just how crazy I was. 
So this time I knew I was in a bind. So I called out to him. They shipped me to a different jail where I didn't know anybody. And I set in to do my normal thing, you know, just ready to do a long prison term again. But this time something was different, you know. Mom and dad cut me off, wouldn't write me. Mama wrote me a letter and told me not to write, not to call, not to do anything. And luckily I had a friend that called me and said, uh, she sent me a letter to application for Teen Challenge. And they accepted me. I wasn't thinking nothing of it. I mean, here I am, sitting in prison. It's amazingly that I was even alive, you know, because that last time that I went out there, man, I, I, I lost all hope. I got back on the needle. And it was like I, I just didn't want to live. Whenever I had my daughter, you know, I thought my life was finally going on the right path. And then through a series of bunch of dumb stuff, me going back off to work, me getting back involved with drinking all the time at work and running the roads, not really wanting to, I was never at home. So I started falling back in those old lifestyles. And, you know, and when me and Lori had split up, you know, I didn't know how to control it. I thought I had, I finally had everything that I wanted, and then I lost it again. And it broke me to a point where I was sitting not too far from here down at Hunts Bridge, for anybody that knows where I sat, I was sitting there out there on locations, and I had about five pounds of pressure on the trigger. And then something stopped me, you know, because I, mean, I was just tired of it. I mean, I was at that point. I was sick and tired of all the emotions, sick and tired of everything. And, you know, it wasn't like two days later, I was in, I was in jail. So when I called out to God that day, he heard me. I felt his peace come immediately because I knew, I know what that peace was. It's from a child. Like I said, I was in church every day. Every time the church doors opened, my mama had me there. So I knew what that peace was. I didn't get none of the physical withdrawals didn't go away. I still had to go through all that. But then I sat there. I sat there in jail for about 15 months before I actually got to ever go to Teen Challenge. God made the open of the doors up for me to be able to be go to Teen Challenge instead of doing time. The judge told me himself, he said, either you're going to make me look like a fool or a genius. If you make me look like a fool, you're going to wish you hadn't. You'll get out of Angola in a pine box in open court. That's no joke. I could pull my court minutes on there and you could see him. Then the DA asked special permission from the judge to speak directly to me, and he told me, he said, if I see you again, you'll have life with no parole. I mean, they were dead serious. That's, that's, the, that's how mad they were that the judge was sentencing me to Teen Challenge because that's the power of God at work in their life. Because when you make a conscious decision to wholeheartedly serve him, you know, because I knew I had to do some time. I figured I was going to go do my time, and then I would go to Teen Challenge. Because I know every time I've got out, I've had a bed and rusting in Teen Challenge for 10 years. I never would go to it. I figured, no, I've got this. I've got this. No, you don't. I still, you know, it's still, it's still a daily struggle sometimes. You have your ups and your downs. That's the one thing I liked about Teen Challenge is they give you a bubble. And they protect you in that bubble. They remove all the worries of life and let you build that foundation with Jesus. Because when you come out of that bubble like I have now, you know, I'm, I'm an intern now in Lafayette. And I'm helping first phase students that just now come in off the street that's still struggling with addiction. I know the power of addiction. I fought it my whole life since I was a child. I can look around here and see some kids about the same age I was when I started battling addiction. And that's what's scary because I know the road that it can take. And now the way the drugs are now these days, you know, if they had fentanyl back 20 years ago, I'd be dead. I wouldn't be able to stand here. 
So I know the power of addiction. I know the draws it has on people. But I know that there is an answer. But I know even walking in Jesus Christ, you know, you're still going to get punched in the mouth every day. I brought a guy to a bus stop just two days ago. He wanted to leave the program. I was like, man, you've got a plan. Yeah, I've got a plan. I've got this. i got that. I was like, what happens when you get punched in the mouth? He's like, what? Like, dude, within three days, you're going to get punched in the mouth by something so unexpected. It's going to check your faith. You have to be ready for it. I still feel that way sometimes, you know. I'm like, I don't feel like I should be able to stand up here. I still struggle with self-forgiveness. I still struggle with just checking boxes and following Jesus Christ, you know. If you don't make it truly real, if you don't make him truly Lord of your life, if it's not something that you really want in life, you're just checking boxes. If you're just checking boxes, you know, there's going to be a lot to say, Lord, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. I did all these miracles in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. We have a form of Christianity these days. I'm guilty of it. I've done it. Jailhouse religion, whatever you want to do. But when I lost Mark, it made me really hit my knees and say, Lord. One, I felt guilty because I didn't see what he had missed. And then it was like, sometimes you can't, some people are good at hiding stuff. I'm, I'm the world's best at hiding things. But if for no other reason, Mark's passing gave me the motivation to go out, to stand here and tell things about myself, to go out and do the, the, the ministry that I'm called. His death won't go, like today was the first day, you know, I, I, I'm always going to honor him because he was my brother. He was my favorite person on the hill, really. The one person I know I could go talk to every day. But his passing is going to be memorialized because it's motivated me to always give 100%. It's like we talked about this morning. It's a daily thing. There's some days I'm good and some days I'm bad. You know, I struggle with being away from my family. They moved me to Lafayette. I'm further away from my family than I was before. I'm further away from my daughter. My grandma's health and my parents' health are not the best. I struggle with that because the biblical, the biblical principle is to take care of your family. Take care of your elders so I could biblically justify coming home. But I had no peace in it, none whatsoever. I get to Lafayette, and I'm getting all these guys I'm talking to, and I'm helping them. They're giving me all these different positions to go out and be a help to other people. Because it's not about me no more. I've spent the past 30 years of my life running wild doing what I want to do. Now it's time i got to give God his time. So this is my first step is today is to come here and give y'all partial my testimony. I could take me four hours to tell my whole story, man. I, I apologize. I mean, I just, I know that God called me back here today, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to come here and say, walk in truth. Walk with Jesus Christ. Walk, make, don't just check boxes. It's so easy today to just check boxes. And like you said, counterculture, if I offend you, I've offended people my whole life. It's not going to hurt my feelings, I promise you. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about tempers today in Sunday school, and Sister Stacy looked dead at me. Yeah, my temper was famous. I promise you, I, I had a bad temper. <laughs> but that's just it. Why do I, if I, I never worried about what people said about me then. Why should I say about now? I stand here with a microphone with God's word in front of me. Because I, one of my biggest things is self-forgiveness, and I know that's something that probably everybody in this room still struggles with at some time. Don't just check that box of self-forgiveness. You have to learn to let God's light in. Let God's love come into your life to really and truly touch you. Because the power of a transformation to come, you know, I'm thankful for Pastor JB to allow me the opportunity to even come here because 
probably nobody else in this town would allow me. You, know, you want Ben to come to your church and speak? No. Probably wouldn't do it. I mean, I'm thankful for that. You don't know what that means when people will allow you, where I'm coming from, really, I'm only a year and some change, a few days, to being out of jail, to be honest with you. My God's restored my family to me. He's restored relationships that, I mean, I was sitting here last time, I seen cousins I'd never seen before that they wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have seen because they wouldn't go come see me anywhere or I wouldn't even be around to be able to see It's amazing to me the power that God has to restore relationships when all you have to do is be obedient. When you walk in Him, and that's simply sometimes, that's just simply getting up and saying, all right, God, today is your day. I got up yesterday morning and I jumped in the car and I drove from Lafayette to Shreveport to a family get-together. And the only time I really checked my, read my Bible yesterday was going down the interstate, and I read the verse of the day from my Bible app. That's all I did. But I remember I just felt off all day. Because I'm so used to getting up and doing my devotion every morning, reading God's Word, and letting it give me that peace to start my day off right. And without that, it's just, you just feel wrong. That's being obedient to God. Give Him that time to let His Word wash over you. Give the whole time, the Holy Spirit time to speak to you. Let me know, like today. You know, I didn't have the Revelation 12, 11 this morning. That came from my devotion. You know, he's like, he said, you know, this power of my testimony. Well, my testimony is squat if I'm not washed in his blood. Because I can sit up here and tell you my story all day. But the one thing about my story, my past story never had a happy ending. Now it has the glorious ending of being I'm saved, I'm redeemed. I'm being restored. My family's being restored to me. And I'm given the opportunity to share my testimony. I say, hey, man, look, it's not as bad as you think. You can come back from wherever you're at in life. And my word is today is, you know, it's never, you're never too far gone. Because there's still some things that I can't even talk about because the statute of limitations hasn't ended yet, just to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not claiming up here claiming to be somebody that I'm not. I was a criminal. I was the most despicable person that you would ever meet. But God, he's transformed me. He brought me to a different place in life. He's given me the opportunity where, yes, I still struggle with things, but I know as long as I keep focused and I keep walking with him, I don't have anything to worry about. I don't have to fight them battles no more. All I have to do is go up there and hit my knees and pray. And then that, that, God take this from me and then not pick it back up. <laughs> That's my problem is I've always been one to always try to handle things myself. So today I ask y'all, don't check boxes. And if there's anything that's bothering you, come, come give it to God. Come lay it down on his altar. I mean, that's what he says. He says, come to me, y'all, you heavy burden. He'll give you rest. He'll give you a lighter yoke. We always take so many things on ourselves that we try to say, well, God don't, God don't need our help. God's got it. We try to take and want to help him, including myself, we don't, he don't need our help. He's got a perfect plan for each and every person in this room. And that's the main thing that I want to share today is that no matter what's going on in your life, give it to God. There's going to be days of ups and downs. But you know one thing I'm all best about is all I have to do is get up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving me another day that I'm not promised, that I shouldn't be alive, you know, and I apologize to my parents once again. I love y'all, and I would never be here without y'all. And for Granny and Papa, that was pillars of this church. I love y'all. I 
I'm sure they're uh, celebrating right now. By the time he finally got up here. <laughs> but honestly, and I'm going to close with this, though. If y'all have anything, if y'all need prayer for anything, it helps me to pray with people because I come from a teen challenge where, you know, we, it was every time we were in the church, we were in there praying because we all had issues that we were working for. So I'm going to open the altars if y'all want to come pray. I just want to thank God for the opportunity to be able to be here and share my testimony with y'all and speak with y'all. And I thank y'all.